Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Another addition to my uh, drunky McDrunkerson collection. Lettuce is a fine topping if you have got like nine things. Don't waste one of your three on lettuce. Both of you probably could use a salad. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Silver 7's on a Thursday. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield Angel back in our Finley Toyota studios. It's already loaded show today. Xavier Pope up in about 25 minutes. We're about, uh, oh, about 18 minutes away from giving away tickets to a VGK game tonight. Tonight. Yes. Pandemic rolls on, but we still giving, uh, we're still giving stuff away. VGK tickets for the game tonight coming up before... To twenty. Oh, breaking news just came in. Uh, Todd Gurley just tweets a long couple of weeks, but finally about to sign to a team. You know what? I completely forgot that uh, Gurley. He's out there. That's that's unreal. Well, there's a lot of guys out there. Okay. Um, I actually was was just having a conversation today with somebody about. They're like, well, the Raiders didn't sign a tackle or or a safety. I was like, there's like a hundred hundreds of players that are still not signed. Uh, Todd Gurley being one, and Todd, I mean, Todd Gurley makes some sense in that he went from, you know, superstar dominating the league for about two years to can barely run. Amazing what happens to running backs, right? If it Amazing. goes the wrong way and, you know, you don't have the uh, the good fortune of Frank Gore. Uh, by the way, Todd Gurley uh, just tweeted, you know, I'm fooling around, April Fools. Okay. Good for him. Gotcha. You hate that so good much. It's just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> George Kittle, I'm signing with the Jaguars. Okay. <laughs> Did he do that? He, he posted a, <laughs> a picture of him in a Jaguars jersey wow. with hashtag Duval. Like, That's not, awesome. You're not getting traded, bro. Uh, whatever. So Todd Gurley is not back. Okay. I, I mean. <laughs> so annoyed. It, it, it really, it's just annoying. He hates holidays so in general, annoying. and he hates this one probably more than any. Well, and it's, like especially today in – Xavier's coming up in a little bit, and he got me last night because it wasn't even April Fool's yet. Yep. Like, yep. Come on. Yep. And, yeah, we'll, and, we'll, we'll play that for yeah, you. We'll it's play different, that for you. different parts of the you know, country. It's, it's April 1st, and you're starting yeah. to do the jokes, and just like, enough. Because first of all, let me just tell you, nobody's funny. The average person is just not funny. And well, according to you, you're like the, uh, the czar of comedy. I am. Doesn't mean I, I'm funny. I deem what's funny. It doesn't mean I'm funny. It just means I can tell you what is and what isn't funny, and most of them aren't funny. Uh, April Fool has there. There's been a couple, I guess, but like anytime something like happens the, the, now, the, the legendary Sid Finch story in SI like so, forty years ago. Now, the one I was thinking of, right? Through like 123 miles an hour, and Mets had signed him. They just found this barefoot beach bum who could throw the ball, you know, harder than Nolan Ryan ever dreamed of. Which is more like, it's more clever and creative than funny. But still, like, I, I just, I don't know what, what the funny ones are. Like, I, I can't tell you of a funny April Fool's joke, especially because anytime somebody says anything, you, you like, immediately believe it, and they're like, oh, wait, it's April 1st. That's right. This is ridiculous. Uh, that was 35 years ago. It's a very 36, annoying day. 36 years ago, the uh, the fake Mets player. And I, I remember at the time, you know, I'm a teenager, so I'm going to buy anything. 
And I really did not like the Mets because they were rising to a prominence in 85. So I'm like, oh, my God. Well, the, now they the, have Gooden and they've, they've got Gooden and Finch back to back, <laughs> belly a, to belly. What a, what a rotation. Uh, and back then there was no Internet. So found, like, By the way, I found out it was a joke. Uh, about two weeks later, when he didn't report to uh, <laughs> to, camp? to the team, yeah. Well, the camp was well, already open, but you get my well, point. Yeah, but the it's just a whole thing of like now you could try to do something like that. And back then, it was like Sports Illustrated was the it was like the Bible for sports, and like you had to check it out, you had to read it. It was everything. No internet. You 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 would you could you could you could have it go for a day or two. Right. You would you would read that story now immediately Google him and be like, what? This isn't a person. Yep. Well, well so, some some of us would immediately Google him. There's a lot of stuff on the internet that never gets Googled. Sure. And we've got basically April Fools every day now in this country. That, that's <laughs> sad but true. <laughs> like, Maybe that's why April Fools is just so stupid. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been oversaturated. Yeah. Every day there's some joke and falsehood where people run with it for not only a day but weeks and months. Uh, well, you mentioned that Xavier uh, ran a joke last night, so now we're stretching it out. I mean, clearly. That was an April Fool's attempt last night by the Golden Knights. Oh! Oh! Give me a rim shot. What was that? Uh, not good. The mediocre Kings come in, and you listen. I'm I'm guessing at this stuff, uh, but I, I did say to Candy yesterday. I was like, I don't know. It's the Kings. You know, they've played pretty well against them, and you got the Wild, like real competition on the way. This could be a look ahead spot. It could be. It could have been a look ahead spot. It also could be. Listen, these things happen in hockey and in, in basketball and seasons that are really long, baseball, seasons that are really long. Every once in a while you just have a game where it just doesn't all come together. Yep. I, I, I feel like as much as it was said by multiple people after the game, both Pete DeBoer uh, and I believe Mark Stone said it, that it really wasn't a factor. I think losing a player, especially an emotional type leader like Ryan Reeves right before the game, sometimes has an impact. Uh, beyond just what he brings, and I know that he, you know, he struggled some uh, the last you know few weeks, and you know, actually he's getting it together a little bit. But you know, he, he hasn't been a dominant player necessarily. But there's just something to like right before the game, like oh, by the way, he's not playing, and it's like okay, takes a little bit of energy away, uh, and he is an energy guy for them certainly. Uh, so I think th- there might be a little bit of that. But they just came out, they came out flat, and one of the things, and, and Mark Stone also kind of alluded to this, is that. They haven't really been that concerned about giving up, like, the first goal in a game. Because, like, who cares? They've, they've been rallying every single game. And I think yesterday it was like, all right, give up one cool. And then as they were trying to get their feet under them, they gave up another one right at the end of the first period. And I think that one was like, oh, okay, now you're down two. Now it's a little bit of a different game. And he said once they put themselves in a 4-1 hole, they were just chasing way too much. And they got that goal early in the third period. And that's usually a kind of the kind of thing that they they use to kind of you know really fuel a comeback. Right, you get a goal, you put some pressure on them. Now you get another one. Now you make it four three. Now uh, now there's some panic for the Kings and uh, the, the Knights start buzzing and they just didn't get that next goal. So they didn't get that four three goal that never came and so they were never able to build off of it. But I just thought from the beginning uh, just not a great performance from the Golden Knights and you know once again Mark Andre Fleury not great. Uh, Chris Beard has chosen another job. It's his dream job. That should be an April Fool's joke, but we know that's not the case. Uh, they're waiting for the buyout to go down. They is Texas, so Chris Beard, after taking the UNLV job and leaving inside of two weeks, went to his dream job at Texas Tech. He's always wanted to be there. Well, Texas comes a calling with a lot more money, a lot more prestige, more pressure, and Chris Beard is moving on from Texas Tech, and I've seen a lot of Texas Tech fans with their hearts broken. <laughs> Ha ha ha!
Yeah. Poor you, Texas. You, you feel it, don't you? Yeah. Don't you feel it? Red Raiders fans, you feel it. It sucks. Uh, then we, we find out, first thing this morning, that Roy Williams has retired. Ah, oh, come on. April Fool's. Well, he's 70, going on 71. So now the North Carolina job is open. So we got all that to break down. Um, I just noticed, Ari, do I like to set you guys up sometimes with less than the facts on our pre-show email? Are you serious? Like, no. a little, like a little sarcasm here and there? Never. I sent a pre-show list of topics to our buddy Xavier Pope, and he retweeted it, and he's like, I got him! You, you got Adam, but you, we'll, we'll explain it to you him. Got me because it was before midnight. We'll we'll explain it to him, right? You understand it, right, Ari? As oh we, yeah. We saw videos of Xavier's April Fool's joke, and so I sent over to Ari. I'm like, hey, can you grab these? Like I I saw it, and I saw the second part. Like you, you didn't get anybody, but it was a good it was a good attempt. It was a good attempt, and if uh, people weren't paying attention, it's pretty solid, very solid, very solid. It was good. So on the Roy Williams thing, what do you think is going to happen? Will they stay in the family, or will they do what's right and open the search up and get the best coach? They, the best college basketball coach, whether the person is in the NBA or in college, North Carolina should get the best college basketball coach available in the world. There should not be parameters of Carolina connection. Get the best coach, right? Rick Pitino? I think he'd be one that would be on the outside. Thad Mata? Uh, no, I'm, my list is one. I would go. I would call Chris Beard. We know that he's he, he doesn't honor commitments. So whatever Texas is offering, up it by four million dollars. So if if North, uh, I'm sorry, if Texas is offering eight, then it's twelve. He'll leave. You think he's going to hold to his commitment from hours ago? The guy's a flip flopper. Well, the problem is Texas is going to go fourteen. Good move by Chris Beard. Sure. Uh, my list for North Carolina would be go steal Chris Beard. Uh, next up, Eric Musselman. After that, Nate Oates. I would make a run at Mark Few, and I would make a run at Scott Drew. Sure. Then I would go Andy Enfield. Then I would go Dana Altman. Then I would go Chris Holtman. Then I would make a run at Coach Brad. Uh, then I would try Brad Stevens, and then I would try Jay Wright. And after that, I would try Billy Donovan. All of those names I just listed are not Wes Miller or Hubert Davis. Those are going to be the top two candidates. It's funny, Wes Miller was the first, first name I thought of as the but right candidate. I, I just gave you the list. You would take every single one of those guys over Wes Miller. He's a UNC Greensboro coach, but he's part of the Carolina family. He's also done a great job with obviously not the same level of talent, I guess. I mean, it feels like Matt Doherty, Buzz Peterson to me. Well, I mean, but this... Uh, Maybe. He's a guy that has had success, though, and he's had success doing it at a smaller level and getting getting guys to play at a very high level and competing who's, with the big boys. Who's more of a sure thing, Billy Donovan or Wes Miller? I would say probably Billy Donovan, but Billy Jay Donovan's Wright. also been out for a while. Jay Wright or Wes Miller? Yeah, Jay Dana, Wright. Dana Altman or Wes Miller? Mark Few or Wes Miller? Well, you don't know. Scott Drew or Wes Miller? But you don't know. <laughs> you do. Come on. You don't. Come on. Come on. You don't. I mean, who? who's... How, Mark Few wasn't – if you would have done this list when Mark Few took over at Gonzaga and it would have been like, really, you want Mark Few or do you want you know, Rick Pitino? You want All Mark right, well, Few now, or do you want this guy? We're not comparing the Gonzaga job 
two years after right, you know, but two I'm years saying, into the Dan Munson era is not North Carolina. But I'm saying you don't know. You have higher standards. But you don't know who's going to be better. Like, if there's an up-and-coming guy that might be greater than all those, he might be the best coach of all time. Like, mm. You just don't all know. Right. We don't know the answer yet. Strong case for Wes Miller over Billy Donovan, Brad Stevens, no, Mark that's Hughes, not, That's Scott not Drew. the case I'm making. I'm oh, saying you don't know who's more of a slam dunk. Uh, coming up, we're giving away VGK tickets for tonight's game. Yeah, how awesome is that? So, uh, Stick around. Uh, we got Xavier Pope. I don't know why I was going to call him Xavier Wright. <laughs> Xavier Pope with his April Fool's joke. Maybe he got all of us. I don't know. I guess I'll have to uh, come clean and say, you got me, bro. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Hey, we open the show talking a little hockey, a little college basketball. We got all the uh, coaching moves as Roy Williams retires. Chris Beard, shocker, former UNLV coach for like eight hours, uh, moves on from Texas Tech to another dream job at Texas. And now we hope that North Carolina calls Chris Beard and he quits Texas in a day. Maybe that'll happen. Uh, We're also tracking baseball. Blue Jays-Yankees final. Ten innings, Blue Jays win, 3-2. RBI double by Randall Gritchick in the tenth inning. We're actually seeing fans in the stands, so everything's starting to feel a little more normal, a little more normal. Eric is here with us from Silver Sevens. Are you starting to feel it? Starting to feel it as we open up more? Oh, yeah, absolutely, especially with um, today being April 1st. I do want to take this time to uh, just talk about William Hill Race and Sportsbook and that we have our simulcast racing is back. We are going to feature thoroughbred, quarter horse, harness, and greyhound racing. And actually, to help kick off this um, weekend, we're actually going to be handing out some of our daily racing forms on Saturday and Sunday while supplies last. Good deal. Horse racing back, so we got the, uh, the fully functioning book here at Silver 7s. Also, make sure you sign up for the app. Makes everything easier. Makes everything easier. But uh, this weekend, come on in. Get the free daily racing form. And you're good to go with horse racing. The simulcaster back here at Silver Sevens. So we talk about the improvements to the place. And, you know, a lot of people haven't really been out as things are opening up. What are they going to see here? Uh, what they're going to see here, like we kind of talked about last time, we've got our machine spaced out. So we're still maintaining social distance and maintaining a safe environment. And actually in the William Hill Sports Book, we've got the, the comfortable chairs. But we also added some tables and chairs for the horse book section itself. And they've got their own uh, viewing televisions. Nice. Very nice. All right. Restaurant, right? This is uh, one of the best restaurants in town in terms of uh, cafes and specials. So you guys are all loaded up with the new specials. Yes, we are. Uh, For April, we're actually introducing our seven shrimp jumbo cocktail for $7.77. We're featuring a full rack of ribs with fries for $17.77. And we have a New York strip steak dinner served with baked potato and vegetables for $17.77 in our cafe. And best of all, happy hour is always awesome with 277 drinks. But uh, tonight, like every Vegas Golden Knights game night or day, beers? Absolutely. 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Lunacy. Pure lunacy, folks. Eric, I appreciate it coming on. I'll tell you, the the area is starting to pick up, too. Because, first of all, the fact that Virgin opened up down the road, that's going to help you guys, right? I think we've got a... uh, P.F. Chang's is out, so we've got a, I don't know when it's opening, but, you know, Chick-fil-A, they're going to blow it out. Chick-fil-A, we're going to have a Chick-fil-A right here, too. Yeah, one would hope. <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting. <laughs> Let's, exactly, yes. Blow that thing out. Blow that thing out. So, uh, legendary corner of Flamingo and Paradise. 
That's the spot. Anything else you got to throw out there? Uh, again, just come in this weekend. Place a bet on your favorite horse. Uh, if you want to do a little bit of research before you come in, you can visit drf.com. And we've got some data there. There's proprietary handicapping tools, premium content, video, and just a lot of stuff on the breeding industry to get you kind of a, a advantage. Uh, they're setting you up down here at Silver 7s. We're setting you up, too. So call right now. Call our 11, 364-1100. That's how easy it is, 364-1100. Uh, the first thing you need to say when you call in is Golden Knights. First thing you need to say is Golden Knights. If you call in and say, what did I win? You don't win. Caller 11, 364-1100. We're giving away Golden Knights tickets for the game tonight. Lower bowl against the Wild. Come on now. That's a good prize. We got tickets for the game tonight, but when you first call in, don't say, how are you, Ari? Just say Golden Knights. If you're Caller 11, you are the winner. 364-1100. Caller 11. With 77 cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Adam Hill's here, it's Cofield. Xavier Pope's up in a minute. Adam hates this day so much. He hates all holidays. And it's, it's pretty standard fare for this show. He does not like holidays. I'm not even sure that this is a holiday. But April Fool's, I got him on Todd Gurley. It was a minor one. Todd Gurley threw out that he had signed. And he's like, I didn't sign. I'm still working hard, though. Uh, but last night, really got him. Really got him. Uh, Xavier Pope is, has gone on record. He's the world's number one hater of carrot cake. And then he rolls this video out. What's up, Twitter? It's your guy X. Yes. I ordered some carrot cake. Because it's time for me to give Carrot Cake a new chance. And I am happy to share this moment with you all. Cheers to Reform Palette. Amazing. I didn't think he'd ever give Carrot Cake another chance. And then uh, second video, here we go. <laughs> no way I'd eat this garbage. Carrot Cake is disgusting. No way would I even love this. Happy April Fools. You tried carrot cake. Yeah. <laughs> in the garbage, crunched it up. I think he paid like three ninety five for it. I would and, and the I think there was a charge of like two fifty on it. I would never, never ever pay like six dollars and fifty nine cents for an April Fool's joke. But uh, you know, it's worth it for Xavier. What's up? What's up guys? And it was absolutely worth it and it was one of my best and most favorite April Fool's jokes. I mean, I fooled hundreds of people. I was brilliant. I was a brilliant, I was a brilliant thing to see. Um, I had people who love carrot cake that were really, really hanging on by a thread of every single tweet on the thread. Like, what, is, what is he going to do next? Is he going to he, he got the rest? They were watching the delivery. They were looking at the receipts that I was putting that that was saying was on the way. And then I hang on, uh, they hung on to the suspense. They, they saw the video of me put it almost in my mouth, and then garbage. It was beautiful. Unreal. Uh, it, it was worth, absolutely worth the price of admission. Adam, you're seething still. I'm not seething. What's, what's the what's the payoff at the end? And Adam, Adam say that because he got got. Well, Adam I is did. one of the people. He said Adam tweeted, "Are you drunk?" Yes, <laughs> I did. But also, I also feel like it wasn't midnight yet on the West Coast. <laughs> it was it was a March 31st fools. Uh, uh, well, we, we did Strahan. Say that he really had a gap, the teeth thing. Did he? Did he come back and said I was an April Fool's joke? Getting the teeth, the gap removed. I don't know. I try to just mute the terms April Fools on Twitter today. 
Ah, you sourpuss. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm telling I'm you, man. He's, he's not, he, now he's not going to give in. You got him. You got him. It was damn good. It was damn good. I didn't even see the stray hand thing. Did it, was that really his joke? Was I it? I don't know. Oh, okay. Ooh. Because I, I heard he, someone he set the joke up two days ago. So, like, oh, okay. a real April Fool's joke, you need time to set up, or it's too obvious. Good point. Let it, it marinate. It, it does take work. It does take work. I was actually, I talk about my new meat slicer all the time. I was thinking about slice, like slicing a fake finger off and just bleeding all over the place, but I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of work. You're a better man than I am, Xavier. Good jokes take good setup, my man. Yes, you delivered. <laughs> you delivered. Uh, speaking of good jokes, the, uh, the NCAA trying to defend its case against SCOTUS. My God, there were so many classic lines, and the, most of the justices are like, what are you talking about with this? model where the kids get nothing and uh, the sport will die if you give them something. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really um, surprising to see some of the Supreme Court justices, some of their questions that they were asking. I mean, we had Justice Thomas, who basically, Clarence Thomas, never asked questions. And he held, a, he held silence for 10 straight years, like two, a whole census period. He decides to ask the question in this particular case. So that lets you know how important this is. Um, and even Brett Kavanaugh, of all people, he being, um, some of his, um, his, him on the Supreme Court has really been an interesting rise, uh, bouncing all over the issues. Uh, and so, um, so whether it was conservative justices or whether it were liberal justices, NCAA, they were getting it from both sides. Oh, yeah. Well, isn't that refreshing? So, that we, we actually don't have a partisan issue. Like, most people can see this as wrong. You have, you have employees who are earning, they're not employees, uh, they're under an amateur status, but they are earning big wigs and schools billions of dollars and they're getting none of it. And all the justices on either side of the political aisle are like, yeah, this, this is cockamamie, man. It doesn't make any sense. Well, you also have some, of the, some states. Um, there was a, a, I forgot what state it was recently in the last week passed a name, image, and likeness law. In the South. Yep. And so, and so what we're seeing now is the public perception changing about what college athletes can do um, and, and still keep their amateur status. We saw a pandemic rock college sports and have the final four. Mark Madness canceled last year. Um, the beginning of football season canceled at the beginning of this year. And guess what? College football didn't die. Um, college basketball didn't die. It didn't March Madness is still alive. College football got a champion. Um, and so what it showed is that they're the same power of the sport. And you saw some of the broadcasting deals that have been that have come down the last few months is saying that NCAA, whatever sport, whatever league, they're going to continue to make money. And if you're going to allow kids to have a, a, a job working at the Dairy Queen and say they're okay to make money while they go to school – then athletes should be able to have the opportunity to make money off their name, image, and likeness. But this specific issue is about the artificial feeling that's placed on, on, on tuition. Like, why should it be a certain amount when it could be more if players are worth more than that to the school? Right. And, you know, the, the funny thing is the schools, I mean, I think there's going to be, you know, some, in a lot of situations, you're going to have local businesses sponsoring dudes, but it's going to be, or, or females, uh, it's going to be some of the bigger athletes on the team. They've, there's also revenue streams out there for just about every athlete uh, in collegiate sports to make a little money off of social media, whether it's TikTok or Facebook or something like that. So it's actually going to be spread out. Um, you know, the state that actually has been most aggressive on the NIL is Florida. 
And certainly, Florida, you know, yeah. Florida politically right now is an interesting place. Uh, you mentioned Kavanaugh. He actually said, he yesterday he said, uh, antitrust law should not be a cover for exploitation of student athletes. I mean, that's pretty plain and simple. I don't know who can argue with that. Yeah, that's a pretty strong statement. And uh, coming from a, someone like him who was placed on the court by, uh, you know, by Donald Trump, we weren't, and we thought that he would, would, would have some more conservative views on the court. He's had some really uh, interesting opinions and thoughts. Um, and, 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 yes, it, it doesn't have to be a star athlete. You know, we saw you know, Rutgers, uh, Geo Baker, he's not a star player, and wanted to speak directly to um, Mark Emmert. And, and, so, and, and also you have what's going on with, with, with women's sports uh, and them wanting to be able to make sure that, hey, they go, they're going to come out making far less, and, then, you know, and why can't they make money while they're in school? Then you have the, the situation with the NCAA, you can't – argue that this is about college athletics and this, this this glory house when in the tournament men and women are having less expenditures for them to, 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 to be at the tournament. What does that have to do with not paying the players? Once you introduce that element is we can treat them differently from one yep. another, now you're talking about work conditions. And so, well, guess what? That could be collectively bargained. And I actually believe that the of the woman athlete that, that just shine a light on that issue, she cracked the door open on what is, is collectively bargained. To me, that was, a, that was an act of labor that was done to yeah. be able to force the sport to actually provide better accommodations. That's exactly what unions do. That's what collective bargaining does. So give them more opportunity to be able to do that and make more money from playing other sports that they love. These are great times we're talking about. There's progress, and you know a lot of people are involved in making changes. Xavier Pope is with us. He's an attorney out of Chicago. He's our culture analyst on Thursdays as well. Um, so the group that went to talk to Emmert, the president of the NCAA, you mentioned Rutgers' Geo Baker. I was Jordan Bohannon. Uh, Isaiah Livers, who w- was injured, didn't get to play in the tournament for Michigan. And the, the, their vibe out of this was Emmert really doesn't have any answers. He wasn't really interested in talking about much. Uh, they also tried to include some female athletes, and I guess he didn't have time to prep, you know, uh, basically his non-answer. But it seems like all that Emmert has is, you know, we have no idea what's going on. We have no power. So we're just going to let the government figure it out. And I've seen some, some congressmen say, like, this is so weak. It's such a lack of leadership. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cory Booker and uh, Richard Blumenthal, um, they're Senators out of, out of New Jersey and Connecticut, uh, uh, respectively, um, and they they basically uh, they co-authored a bill last year um, that would that would that go towards name, image, and likeness, and, uh, and so uh, it's just another sort of set of steps that Congress can make if if uh, NCAA doesn't step in. This, we're, we've seen a significant shift. I mean, a, a monumental shift in the last two years, and it has taken the power of of, of, of Jeffrey Kessler, who has who's been one of the most powerful names in terms of legality and, prof- and professional and amateur sports. I mean, this guy, if without this suit that started a long time ago, um, you wouldn't be here. And so it's taking the power of the court system, it's taking lawyers, it's taking the pressure of athletes, standing up for themselves. Instead of jumping in line and, and towing the company line, they're finally speaking out. And uh, I'm going to say this. Allowing athletes to speak out on social issues and getting them out in front of social media has advanced this cause much further than we would have expected because now they're using their voice 
for outside issues and they say, oh, wait a minute. But our issue isn't there either. That's what we speak for ourselves. And I think that that has been a significant change in what's happened over the last few years, athletes themselves speaking up for themselves. So one of the things the players asked for was to, you know, allow name, image, and likeness, you know, money to start coming in as soon as next year. Do you see that happening? And is that the proper immediate remedy? I think so. I think it's going to happen. Uh, it's it, 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 we if NCAA continues along this path, it may be a, a more costly endeavor than they'd like. Um, and so um, we we've already seen a, a, a sort of bifurcation of Big Five, Power Five schools, and some of the mid-major schools um, on the various rights that happen in sports and how how those leagues are very, are governed differently. What's gonna What's gonna happen is you're going to see a more Amateur style, uh, semi-pro type of of of, of setup that, that that comes into the sport, and it's going to really change how the sport does business. They just have to be able to figure out exactly how the models will work and how will it go. But claiming that the sport is going to die is is, is completely short-sighted. You're not going to see massive three hundred million three hundred million dollar contracts and things like that in 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 college sports because they're a they're not making that much money in terms of being able to spread that around. You may see some top guys make a lot of money. You may see athletes decide to stay in college um, to be able to make money. And that may actually help college sports. And so uh, we, we just have to see it bear out. NCAA can't say, let's do it this way because we've, we've always done it this way, and if we don't do it this way, we'll fail. That isn't evidence. There's nothing doctrinally sound about the NCAA putting that argument. It doesn't meet any, It doesn't hold water. Xavier Pope on Cofield and Company. Uh, every day there's something new in the Deshaun Watson case where we've got all these allegations, all these women, 15-plus, who were saying, hey, uh, you know, the, the guy assaulted me. Um, the lawyering in this is really fascinating. Rusty Harden came out. That's Deshaun Watson's attorney. He came out yesterday, and he's like, hey, I've got 18 masseuses who say Deshaun Watson's fine. They vouch for him. And then uh, the other guy, Tony Busby, on the side of the accusers, said he was going to hand over the information that he has to the authorities. Then, like, two days later, he's like, yeah, I don't trust the police department, so I'm not going to work with them. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, that's it, – it, it's lawyers posturing, obviously. But for – if you're going to bring a claim like this that is, is of serious nature, you can't say the, the, the quarterback in the town had, is in the pocket of the police. Um and so they're not going to believe women. Um, although there is a system of not believing women, um, if you want, he may not necessarily feel his case is as strong on the criminal level. And either you're going to bring a suit versus Deshaun Watson um, that is backed by some more some, some facts that can be that are more triable, or you're attempting to get him to a place that he's going to settle with these women and endanger his reputation. That now we've gotten this far in the process, there's no way Deshaun Watson would settle um, without uh, without anything that's incredibly damaging that puts him in a position that he has to that he's, he's on skates. I mean, you're looking at 21 charges of him. I won't say charges, but uh, allegations of 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 this nature, and really, the media really hasn't treated it in such a way that. That I wouldn't necessarily say they don't believe the women, but I think some of the actions of the lawyer that stepped up has bring us has brought us some sort of pause to really kind of figure out what's going on. 
I, can you think of a case like this where there was such a large, a, a huge star like this, where he wasn't papered, he wasn't splattered all over the the front page news, and, and they canceled Deshaun Watson? None of that's happened. This isn't even happened by really, really large women either. Um, so everyone's been waiting and seeing what's going on. It's one of those stranger developments that I've seen in terms of any a public sexual assault case. So we got a really interesting case here with uh, Little Nas X and, <laughs> and these sneakers, these Satan sneakers. I mean, they're Nike sneakers. He redesigned them, added to them, then starts selling them for $1,018. I, he's in trouble, right? I, I don't, you can't do this. Can you just repurpose a product where the logo's still on there and then you know, sell it with a different design? And Nike went as far as like, hey, we're not pro-Satan. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. I mean, lo, lo, there are plenty of, of 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 artists that redesign shoes all the time. Okay. Um, they, and and they sell them in art galleries around oh. around. And Nike, Nike doesn't do anything about that. Right? <laughs> um, but it was at when they brought to bear um, this product that was that was marketed by you know a really huge recording artists, and they brought up this divisive aspect of religion, and then they also had this the Pentagon on the shoe that added to the, the look of the shoe. I think that that brought Nike into bear, where he's such a huge artist, and this shoe was connected to a video. You know, it was, uh, you know, there was marketing a product, and that's, you know, there's, a, there's misappropriation that's going on. There's trademark infringement going on. There's a lot of different legal standpoints. Yes, I mean Nike, Nike has it. Nike has a point all the way. But this is a peculiar case where they've maybe slept a little bit on some of their rights in other situations. But they are dog headed about going against this because this is the devil, dude. <laughs> like, ah, yeah. like, like they're, they're, okay, like someone devil, putting, a, you know, putting, putting like a statue on this on a shoe is one thing. Putting the image. That relates to the damnation of your soul. Um, kind of gives a different message. <laughs> Man, I have I have so many follow-ups for you from a legal perspective, but I, I think the first one you just mentioned it there. But could the argument from Lil Nas X's side in the company that he's working with be, hey, you've allowed this for other things. You've never you've never enforced this. You've let other artists do this. Why are you cracking down on me? Like you've given up your rights to claim this. Yeah, I mean, but that, the, the issue with that is, as it relates to the Lil Nas X, have they not, have they slept on their rights as it relates to someone using a pentagram and putting a drop of blood in a shoe? No, that's not the same thing. And so, yes, they could potentially argue that in terms of other issues and maybe bring them in. Whether, they, whether those, um, those other instances are even admissible are, are, are under question. Um, but I think that an argument doesn't really hold much water. I mean, there's blood in the shoe. I mean, I mean that's <laughs> well, guys. There's, there's blood in the shoe. Could, <laughs> sure, it's, could it's he, the damnation of your soul. I mean, he, okay. Well, I, man, I would absolutely make the claim uh, that there's no such thing as the devil. And you got like, yes, what do you dude, what do you mean? Carrot cake. Yes, it is. There's the damnation of your soul. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, but there's 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 no such thing. Like it's in a it's a made up thing. So you like can you really like go after this imagery of something that doesn't actually exist? Well, I mean, I think that's that's not you know that I don't think that's that's the the, the crux of the point. 
speaking of cruxes, uh, is the crux is the fact that you know there is you know you you, you don't even have to use the devil. You can just talk about blood being in a shoe, yeah. uh, right? And you can also talk about the pentagram itself. Like you put a separate logo on the shoe that's connected to the Nike brand. Um, and so you know who I mean, th- there's a star, and someone could say, well, actually that you could say that looks like a converse. Although Nike owns Converse, hey, well now this now you're infringing on the Converse mark as well by using a pentagram on top of the shoe. So there's a variety of different ways Nike could come at the use of the shoe and say, hey, you've infringed on our mark, and also you potentially may dilute our mark by a lot of the people that you know, a lot of people that maybe have, may not have heard of these other instances of where Nike shoes have been repurposed by artists, but they darn sure know about a devil shoe. It, it also seems, and it would be tough to, I guess, draw this correlation, but there's so much talk about the fact that Lil Nas X released a video for his new song, and it is he is openly homosexual, and the video is filled with you know, like that being in your face, and people are freaking out about it and having a problem with it. Could he make the claim that as a protected class, they're only going after him for that? Mm. That's a really great question, Adam, and I think that the imagery of Satan, they don't actually, oh, see, this, 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 the lawyer part comes out, they don't actually specify whether the, the entity that is in hell it has a gender, one. Two, there is no specific, because, you know, you see no body parts shown, per se, it's a, it, it's a beast, you know, and then you also show a portion of the video that's when he's in a garden where there isn't really a specification whether that entity has a gender either, and so, that would be if I'm if, if I was Nike, I would argue that on, on, on one hand, and then on the flip side, um, the video itself is not where the shoes are contained. Um, so the shoes themselves are the misappropriation part would be used to sell the video and promote the video, and so that's the attack instead of trademark infringement that Nike would go in and says you've taken our mark and you've used it to to promote something else. That has nothing to do per se with the imagery of twerking for Satan. <laughs> Sorry, that's level all, all the. Satan. He gave Satan the lap dance so he could kill him. It's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, he did snap his neck. Uh, we got to close on a lighter note. Uh, I know the Satan <laughs> stuff is a lot. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, please. Um, I saw a great tweet from you uh, recently, or someone had asked, uh, "Who was your first TV crush? Who was it for you?" Uh yeah, it was um, Charlene Dupree of on different strokes. Um, Janet Jackson's character, and she had that really whispery, very sexy voice, and she had that cool hair, and she just had Willis going crazy. She had me little, she had little, uh, little X going crazy, um, and made me want to twerk on a pole um, nice, for, nice. For, <laughs> for for Janet Jackson. Um, and so, um, if you're nasty, uh, I, I think that <laughs> that was was a really, really like turning point in my childhood where I started feeling things I didn't had felt before. Oh, nice. And so she absolutely was my crush. I was in love with Janet Jackson as a kid. So you have a type? Uh, I don't have a type. Okay. Um, but I do, the type would be definitely um, a, a woman who has a nice um, speaking voice mm-hmm. and who can command a room. So I think that that's what uh, she did to me then and um, she probably still does to this day. And any other woman that walks into a room that kind of grabs everyone's attention um, and is strong and powerful um, and feminine, that, that, that's my type. Um, okay. As long as she doesn't eat the cake. Yeah, uh, there you go. Um, 
as the audience knows, I really don't have a type. So, and I trend older. So, late seventies, my first crushes were uh, Shirley from What's I Happening. Late seventies, I'm like, wait, no, no, late late seventies. <laughs> Shirley from What's Happening, and then Terry from Three's Company. She was like the third dits. I don't go traditional dits. I went third dits. So you got you know you got Cheryl, a little bit bigger bodied, and then uh, the, the smart and intelligent Terry. Do you guys have any clue? Like, like, you like him thick. I see you. I see you. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say. I didn't say rerun. Surely. <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. It's, Kel- it's Kelly Kapowski. Yeah, Adams. I know Come Adams on. got like Topanga and Kelly Kapowski because he's All a little day. bit younger than us. Yeah, All day. All right. <laughs> Kelly's the well, Lisa one. from Saved by the Bell. She was another one too. He's a turtle. Absolutely. Lisa, yeah. yeah, Lark Voorhees. She was great. Oh, he knows. Believe me, he knows everybody on Saved by the Bell. That's his show. <laughs> uh, Xavier, what do you got coming up? What's going on with the uh, suit up? And what else is going on right now? The suit up news um, going into some of the uh, the happenings going on with the Derek Chauvin trial, as well as the happenings with Georgia Delta, Coca Cola. And all the different happenings. Will Georgia sports be impacted by what's going on down there? Just check it out. Latest episode of Suit Up News with a hashtag Suit Up News. Latest episode of Suit Up News. Great spot as always, Xavier. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Later, guys. Love you. Should I have gone with D? You can go with whoever you want. Do you know who D is? She was a troublemaker with Raj. All the time on okay. What's Happening. Did you watch What's Happening years later? I mean, yeah, I watched it not when it was on. And Ma? In, in you know, in uh, reruns and syndication. Very very solid comedy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it was good. It was very formulaic. But, I mean, Three's Company is the most formulaic thing that's ever been on television. So, Positive stuff. Positive Literally, stuff. Literally, there was an issue. Yep. That could have been solved by a cell phone. It's, it's like. It's, it's, and then nobody would communicate. Yep. Everybody would freak out. And then it'd be solved. It's Every single show. It worked, didn't it? Jack would fall down. Yep. I was watching. I actually, I looked up highlights of Terry today because I just typed in uh, Priscilla Barnes jiggle. Okay. And a bunch of stuff came up. And like yeah. just a little clip I, I watched. I just wa- I watched some stuff. And uh, and it was like, you know, uh, uh, Jack was, you know, Jack and Larry were like, they're like freaking out over something. Like, you know, it's in the middle of the freak out. And then by the end, it's all tidy. Uh, somewhere in the middle, they go whether, to it's, whether, whether it, you know, it's, I, I, I was more of a. Actually, I like both of them. I like Roper and I like Furley. But you know, Furley, Furley added to the the panic during the show sure. with his faces and the stupid pantsuit and you know the scarf and like making the face. God, Don Knotts, what an acting genius! Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's time for Greenies Wine of the Week, presented by Weed Sellers. Hit WeedSellers.com. All right, you ready for the Wine of the Week? Oh, yeah. We got some UNLV news coming up, too. They've, uh, they've added a player to the Running Rebels. They've got a commitment. It seems like uh, everything of late has been portal, 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 huh. portal, portal. I can't do it eight times, but you get the point. Uh, so we'll tell you about the player who's been... Uh, added to the roster or just announced a little while ago that he is going to be transferring to UNLV. So the wine of the week, you heard it, is brought to you by Weed Sellers, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. It's WeedSellers.com. Wine, bourbon, beer. Go up and order. And uh, also, if you don't see it in your local liquor store or grocery store, ask about it as they're starting to spread around the country. So Greeny was talking about Mac Jones. The other day, 
I don't know if you're aware, JVT and I are on Mac Jones at three is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Uh, I think he's a system quarterback. I think he's a product mostly of the Alabama talent around him. I don't believe he's a first-round pick. I think he's a guy you take a gamble on uh, later in the draft, and maybe he turns out to be a bottom half of the league starter. But I think there's a better chance that he is a longtime backup in the league. Number three in the draft? Makes no sense. Are we serious? Uh, Here is Greeny talking about how people draft and the standards and how you judge them later, all in regard to how high Mac Jones could go in this draft. However it is we quote-unquote justify the pick, whether they lived up to the selection or not. Going to the Hall of Fame and winning the Super Bowl, those things are not guaranteed when you take a quarterback in the first round. You're trying to win. The objective is to win. And so it's not about whether this guy has a higher ceiling or whatever the case may be. Look, I'm not here to tell you that Mac Jones is better than these other guys. But I'm here to tell you that on that night, when Goodell gets up there and he says with the third pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Mac Jones, and you hear people shrieking all over the place in, in, in stunned shock, I'm going to turn to the guys I'm sitting next to and I'm going to say, I kind of like it. What do you think? I assume they're going to rip you to shreds. Did he say at the beginning, making the pick is not about upside? Or ceiling? Uh, I guess what so. What is the pick? What are picks about? Winning, he said. But I think... We're, uh, are we going to go... We're not going down this rabbit hole. So Jimmy Garoppolo is a great quarterback in the NFL. Apparently. And is, is irreplaceable. According, according to Greeny. Because the team around him is good and they win when he plays. My bigger problem... My, my and, and listen, there is different, there is different players for different systems. Like, I, I have made the case... Mac Jones is much more valuable to the to the football team than he is to any other team. Like that's a team that just need don't turn the ball over, don't put us in bad positions, just make enough first downs that our defense can win us the game. And if you're if you're a guy that turns it over and makes it, puts the defense in bad spots, that's not going to work for them. Like he works better for them than he would for other teams. I think he would work better for the 49ers and for other teams, but they trade it up, so it makes no sense to take him. My biggest issue with this is actually a weird one. Who plans what they're going to say to their friends? He's planning out already what he's going to say to his friends during the draft? It's a prep sheet. What are you doing? Why, you don't have a prep sheet when you go out to the bar? Like the <laughs> no, show? No. Let's see what I'm going to... All right, what am I going to say I think this here? is what they said. All right, go right there. Uh, I had a real doozy for when the ref passed out the other day. I just needed it to happen. Let's go. Do you keep Let's the... Let's go. When you go to the bar, if you're greeny, do you keep the producer like in a back corner on the bar and you're like... You're waving him over like, I don't have anything to answer to this. I need what some, am I supposed to say? I need some drops. Where are you at? Where you at? <laughs> this is uh, ridiculous. I'm gonna, I'm, when, I, when this happens, I'm going to turn to my friends and say this. Don't, how about don't plan it out? How about just be spontaneous with your friends? It's the Greeny Wine of the Week brought to you by Weed Cellar. So bottom line for us on this show is Mac Jones simply is not good enough to be the number three pick. So the idea is just flat out. The idea that Mac Jones isn't good enough to be drafted where he's going to be taken is just flat not true. So don't let anybody tell you that. I'm not saying it's the right decision. I'm just saying it isn't definitively wrong. I just told you that, and it is definitively wrong. Golden Knights games and 77-cent Bud Light bottles? Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up.